Hey, well, good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, we didn't do bad for daylight savings, right? Uh, I guess we'll know more in about 20 minutes. Uh, sure, sure. Have you ever shown up at the wrong time, or did you realize getting ready or in the car? You've shown up? Yeah, yeah, that's, well, we'll see. We did all right. Thanks for being here. Welcome. Uh, I love the spring. Uh, isn't there something about when the sun starts shining and flowers start blooming? I don't know about you, but it kind of just breathes life into me. Like the world looks and feels a little bit different. I love this season. Well, today we are uh, concluding a series called Jesus Speaks. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. It's been fascinating and beautiful to listen to the words of Jesus. What does he have to say to us? 2,000 years ago, he sat on a mountainside and he spoke to crowds of people, many of them marginalized, broken outsiders in a remote area of Israel. Jesus, Jesus traveled throughout Israel, speaking in synagogues and teaching on these topics that we've listened to. And what Jesus has described to us is this upside-down kingdom, whereas all the kingdoms 2,000 years ago, Rome and and, uh, the the nations of the world, um, operated in a top-down sort of way, where there is a ruler um, who, who sets the laws and determines punishments and this and that, right? A top down. And most of what happens in that nation serves to um, improve the quality of the nation or the people at the top, the empire, right? Jesus has taken this triangle and, and turned it upside down. And he said, in, in the kingdom of heaven, it's the poor and the lowly that are elevated in our kingdom, right? The way we live life and the way we treat people around us, it's drastically different. It's not for our benefit, but for the benefits of others. You see, God's kingdom operates very differently than the kingdoms of this world. And Jesus has been describing throughout the Sermon on the Mount um, this kingdom and an invitation to come and live differently. When Jesus prayed in this lesson, he said, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus speaks of this kingdom that is being ushered into this world and an invitation to be citizens of a different sort of a kingdom and nation. But his claims and his questions and his challenges, they're radical throughout the teaching. Jesus makes radical demands and places radical expectations of loving your enemies and things of this nature, right? And it's like, how do we do these things? And Jesus concludes the lesson for us uh, with this. Uh, He says, you'll need a strong foundation if you want to stand. Now, many of us are familiar with uh, the passage that we're going to read today in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. It's uh, the story of um, the wise and the foolish builders, right? And, and uh, Jesus is going to lay out for us uh, this idea that, that if you build a strong foundation on a rock in a solid place, then you'll be able to weather the storms of life. 
Jesus spoke in these terms over and over in these par- with these parables, using just very common language and things that people can understand. In Israel, there was farmers and there were fishermen, there were builders and, and, and craftsmen, right? And so he, he used all of these things, the crops and the houses and the building, to, um, to illustrate what the kingdom of heaven is like. And today he'll talk about building. He'll talk about building a structure that is sound. But let's just go ahead and get warmed up on the idea of houses and structures. Can anyone tell me what's wrong with this particular structure? I just want to make sure Jesus' words are going to resonate. Did you know, so I I was, yeah, it's a real house. Uh, It's one of, I I don't know, I saw this website of the eight most interesting upside-down houses in the world. Apparently this is a thing. People build those. Um, And and it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Jesus is describing this upside-down kingdom that should you want to survive the weather of life, you'll need a firm foundation. And ironically, it looks like the foundation is on top of that house, but clearly there's some structural work and a strong foundation built for something like that to be able to function and survive in the real world, right? All right, let's see what Jesus has to say. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. He says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But every one of you who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. Familiar passage, but before... um, before I read that, before we begin looking at that, you can go ahead and leave it up there just so we can we can uh, be looking at it. Um, before I read it, would you have known what to identify as the firm foundation? Would you have remembered what he identifies in this text? He identifies two things. First, uh, he identifies that the foundation must be built on a rock instead of sand. Right? And, and Jesus throughout scripture is referred to the rock of our salvation, right? Uh, he speaks of a f- solid foundation that is Jesus himself. So first of all, uh, should we want to survive the rigors and the storms of life? Jesus stands as our, uh, as the, as the rock that we build upon. You know, I was talking with a friend struggling with faith, um, recently. And I heard from him in in this place in life of struggle, I heard one of just the most beautiful testimonies of Christianity. He said, hey, there's a lot of questions I have about Scripture and about God. There's a lot of unanswered things. There's some things that make me uneasy in all this. And he said, but the character of Christ, I can't get away from that. Like, no matter what I believe and what I understand and what I struggle with in Scripture, I cannot take my eyes off of Jesus, his character and his teaching and his love and the hope found in him. It's transformational, and I can't walk away from that. Jesus says the rock upon which uh, we, uh, the, our foundation 
will be built is him, like, like the character, the nature of Jesus. So today we'll look a little bit deeper at, at what he taught and um, how he demonstrated it. But look at the second thing that he identifies. The wise and the foolish builders are who? The people who memorize the most text or know the most? No. He says, the wise person is the one who puts my words into practice. Did, did you remember that from past readings of this? He says, the wise person is not the one that hears my words or believes my words. Jesus says, the wise builder is the one that puts my words into practice. Jesus offers for us this, this picture, this, this idea of building a house, and it starts with a firm foundation, or it starts with a, a solid ground, a rock that is Jesus. Then that foundation that's built that allows our faith to stand through the weathers of life, the storms of life, is putting it into practice. Now, this is fascinating to me. You know, we, we sang a song today that says, by grace alone. Understand, I'm not talking about salvation here. When we start talking about works and putting things into practice, we start to uh, fall back into maybe some of our former legalistic ideas and ways and earning our salvation, but that's not at all what Jesus speaks of here. It's by grace alone that we've been saved, but Jesus says, hey, when life is going good, when life's going well, you're not going to have a problem having faith and walking along with me. But man, when the storms of life threaten to tear down the faith that you have, it will take more than having heard the words. He said, if you want to be that that wise builder, uh, that person with a faith that stands the rigors and tests of time, he says, you're going to need to experience the transformation that takes place when you live out these words. I don't know. Is that controversial? Is that, is that challenging to hear? Jesus says, to hear it and to believe it, it doesn't stop there. Be the wise builder who then lives out these words. Can you picture these people sitting and standing on a mountainside listening to Jesus teach? And he says, I've got this huge crowd around me, and they're nodding their heads, and they like what I say. But Jesus says, hey, guys, it's not enough to have just heard it. Here's what I want you to do. Go and put this into practice. And see your part in ushering in the kingdom of God on earth and that his will begins being done as it is in heaven because he says, you've heard it. You know what this kingdom looks like. You know what it is to love. You know what it is to reprioritize things in your life. But now do something about it. He invites them to take action. You know, uh, Jesus speaks of the difference of building on rock and sand. He, uh, he says, uh, it says at the end there, they were amazed by his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as, of the, as, as their teachers of the law. And I think it's contrasting here, the difference in, in Jesus as a foundation and religious systems, specifically speaking of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teachers of the law. Um, the difference between the authority, the rock, and, and the security in Jesus and, and the life he invites us to. You know, uh, Jesus' words are quite poignant, and about a thousand years later, uh, building would begin in central Italy in a town called Duomo uh, of a tower that they would call Pisa. 
Now, you guys have heard of this Tower before, right? It, it, how many people have been there and taken a picture pretending to hold up the Tower of Pisa? Okay. All right. So a few of us have been there. Uh, we did, you know, but since everyone else is doing it, you don't look quite too uh, ridiculous and touristy. Yeah, so the Leaning Tower of Pisa, it began, uh, they began building in 1173, and by the time they were on the third of an eight-story structure, on the, on the third story of that building, five years into the project, uh, it had begun to lean. And the problem uh, was that under the foundation was a mixture of clay, sand, and shells. Uh, the foundation was well built, but built on a surface of sand and shells and clay that ultimately could not hold the structure. So uh, a war came and um, construction halted on uh, the Tower of Pisa for nearly a hundred years. Uh, they, they stopped building eventually came back, shored up as well as they could in uh, this era, the foundation, and continued building. And recently, um, work has been done many times, many phases of work. The bell has been removed from the top to lighten the weight, um, and, uh, and, and structural things have been done to try to shore up the building. But ultimately, what happens when you build on a weak foundation is something a little bit like that. So Jesus says, if, if we want to have a faith that stands the weather of time, he says, you'll need to build on the right surface. Choose Jesus as the rock for that. And he says, it's time to put my words into action. Be the wise builder who doesn't just hear them, but goes out and lives out the love and the grace that I've shown you and demonstrated. So let's look for a moment at the words of Jesus. What has he told us? We're going to summarize. We're going to look back and summarize um, what he's said in the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to structure it in, um, in maybe some common language for those of you that have been here. Uh, for those that haven't, um, this will be maybe a new concept for you. Um, up, in, and out refers to three primary aspects of our Christian walks, our lives, the way we organize the church, and that sort of thing. Up refers to God. So there's an up element in the ways that we gather and the ways that we worship in my personal life, right? Um, the out refers to the world around us, uh, that we are called not just to be um, a, a group of people huddled in, but we are sent into the world. And the in refers to one of two things, uh, depending on the context. One, the church, right? So there's an inward focus as well. We ask as a church, how well are we balancing the up aspect, the worship, the out aspect, the outreach, the love, the, the care in our community and the world? Um, and the in aspect, you know, the gathering people and, and doing life together and, and growing together. So, so the up in and out. The other aspect of in, though, that is good in our personal lives is um, just the inward self. So uh, we focus in our lives on up, what God is doing, out, how I can engage the world in the in. How am, how am I doing, right? Um, so there's that personal, uh, there's the plural, the, the people around us, and then there's the up element. So Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount has spoken about these things. He's, he said, uh, and remember we're talking about implementing these things, right? He says, he says if you want to be that wise builder, 
who takes action, who builds a strong foundation on a rock. He says prayer and fasting is going to be significant. Uh, on the subject of, of prayer, he speaks uh, of, of asking and seeking and knocking. Continue to pursue your heavenly Father who gives good gifts. Ask, you'll receive. Knock, and the door will be open to you. He says um, hold to not just the structures of the law, but hold to the principles of the law, the heart of the matter, that, that love is important, right? That, that don't just, it's not enough just not to kill your brother. He says, expel hate from your heart, right? So he says, adhere to these principles. He says, align your priorities. Again, this is an upward-focused thing. Instead of allowing our home or our house or um, uh, our job or our cars to be like that foundation that we find our security and hope in, he says, let's begin to align our priorities with God's priorities. Allow him to refine us, to transform us. Inward, uh, the love, like, and, and this one, of course, applies in each of the up, in, and out. I just wanted to fill out the in category a little bit more, so I put it there, just to be really uh, frank. Yeah, so he, um, uh, he says love, that we would love God, that we would love people around us, that we would have a love for um, people that live in this kingdom with us, right? He, he says, shed your judgmental attitude and nature and outlook. Uh, both in the church and in people around you. He says, worry about yourself. He says, examine yourself. Remove the plank from your own eye, if you remember that passage, right? Before you can then help other people. He says, shed that judgmental nature. He says, um, be discerning. Look for the fruit that people bear, and you'll know that they're my people by the love and goodness that they perpetuate in the world around them. Does that make sense? He says, look for the, the fruit, and you'll know them by that. And, and of the out, he, he speaks of shining in the world. You're a light on a hill. Let that light shine. Let people see my love flow through you. He says, have love even for your enemies, right? One of these impossible things, which we can understand in a cognitive way, but when we walk out these doors and find ourselves in the face of someone that's wronged us, Love is a difficult thing, right? The radical calling and invitation of Jesus in our lives. He says, give to the needy, right? He says, help. And, and so we find ourselves today asking, um, Jesus says, a strong foundation built on the rock means to live out the things that he speaks of. Not just to hear them, but to live them out. And I wonder where you find yourself resonating in that, in that list of things that Jesus spoke about today. Like, is it, what kind of fruit am I bearing? What kind of impact am I having on people around me? Is it, I need to de- dedicate a little bit more time to prayer in my life. Jesus invites us to a radical and beautiful life in him. And he says, don't miss out on the opportunity the kingdom has come. God's will is beginning to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, and he's inviting us, will you participate in what God is doing in the beautiful kingdom that is being established? So Jesus not only speaks the word, but he puts them into practice himself. Uh, Jesus demonstrates these things in his life. Um, in the up, You'll see, if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you'll frequently see it saying Jesus withdrew to a quiet
pray, right? Jesus chose this quiet, humble posture in which he's on his knees before God. He, he chose discipleship as his mode of beginning the church. That is an investing in 12 people who then could invest in the world and, and, and saw the church grow from, from a few to thousands to a worldwide movement, right? And, and then the out, he said, um, Jesus came to save, to seek and to save the lost. I came for the lost, the broken, the hurting. Jesus advocated for the least of these, right? This is the life that Jesus lived. So he taught radically on praying, but he spent a lot of time personally in prayer, right? He, he taught radically on, on love and the fruit that we would bear, the results of, you know, the, the state of our heart that would overflow into our lives and the lives of others. And Jesus chose discipleship to invest intentionally and heavily in a few that then could multiply. Jesus uh, said, love your enemies, and he would meet with the Samaritan woman at the well and speak lovingly of hope to her, right? Jesus spoke the words and he demonstrated them. Here's a challenge I hear in Jesus' um, final teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. If my experience with faith, which in seasons of my life it has been, is exclusively attending church, checking that off my list, and then going about my life, he says that's a, that's a pretty weak foundation. He says those that, that build upon me, uh, those that build a firm foundation, the wise builders in my kingdom, are those that sure they attend church and, and they do all those things. But then they go and they live the lives of love and grace and hope that I've invade, invited my people to live. He says that is a strong foundation because when the storms of life come crashing down on your job, when you lose your job, it's going to get a lot harder to have faith. If, if you have staked your, your well-being and your hope and your person on your career, and then something about that begins to crumble, he says there was a firmer foundation. If I would have been the rock that you built your hope, perceived yourself upon, and built a foundation and began to grow, he says, I won't fall out from underneath you. This is a firm foundation, Right? And when the loss of a loved one uh, tragically um, happens in our lives, we find ourselves in these places of God, why? And our foundation begins to crack because all of our hope and all of our relationship was was bound up in, in that person, right? Or in that ideal. And we say, God, where are you? What's going on? And Jesus says, hold on. Jesus says, let me be your foundation. Let me be your solid rock. Let me show you hope even in this season of struggle. Right? When those winds and waves of life come crashing down, Jesus invites us to rest upon him, to build upon him, and to weather the storms and the challenges of life. So I'll ask you today, have you chosen Jesus as your firm foundation? 
And have you begun moving beyond the knowledge of his words and towards the application? Like intentionally demonstrating his love, doing kind and and considerate things for people in the world around us. Have you begun to put into action the things that Jesus challenged us to as the church, as people? Well, today I want to share with you just one thing, and I'm going to invite Justin Harper to come up and share share it with you today, um, about, as a church, a challenge that we're going to lay out for 2018. Um, 2018 is the year of belonging, and um, so here in 2018, uh, we have a, uh, a, a goal um, to work towards the culture of the church, uh, the connections in the church, and our community engagement. So what's the culture of this place? How will we connect with each other? And then finally, community. How will we move out? And Justin, uh, brilliant as he always is in one of our meetings, um, he he said, I I think I've got it. I think I've got an idea for how this begins. So Justin, tell us a little bit about uh, this challenge that we're going to lay out for for people. Yeah, really excited about the Connect Challenge. Um, 2018 is the year of belonging here. And we've been dreaming about how, how we're going to make that a part of this church, this community, and grow closer to God. So we had this idea to uh, roll out a challenge to everyone here. We, we'd like to um, put it out in three phases. And it all starts on a monthly basis. It starts today, so we got a little less of a month this month, but you'll be busy. Uh, it starts with uh, connecting in the church. So there's this idea of an umbrella. This, am I not supposed to do this? Oh, I think you should. So we, we have this umbrella. We all know that negativity is going to rain down and, and there's things in our lives that are going to come down, but we have this opportunity to share our umbrella with people. So we want to do that in the church. Uh, whether it's a simple text message or a meal together, maybe coffee together, encouragement, um, we want to challenge you to two times this month reaching out to somebody who's been to church, who's here, a part of this community, and grow closer together and and create belonging in this community that we have here. And we also know that, you know, this this is just an hour of your week, and there's so much of your life that we can create belonging in. In your life, in our community, we have an opportunity to create belonging. And again, reaching out to somebody who who maybe doesn't have that belonging, who, who needs encouragement in your life, we want to challenge you to two times this month to reach out to somebody, whether it's a text, again, a meal, or coffee. Um, get together, encourage somebody, and make them feel that belonging. And then, of course, our foundation, it's, it's God. And, and we want to make sure that we have that strong foundation, and we're looking up twice daily. So this month, every day, uh, we're all in different places, but we, we want to challenge you to look up daily, whether it's a, a simple prayer, God, give me the eyes to see who needs belonging, mm. or a journal about your dreams of how we can create belonging or, or what's going on in our lives. We want to encourage you to connect up twice. And if, if we do all these things, just look at how many people are in this room. If that happens two times this month. That's a huge impact. Mm -hmm. Think of all the minutes and all the hours that are going to be spent in creating this community of belonging and and loving people in the Tri-Cities. If if we can commit to this, somewhat simple, but but again, it is a challenge. Um, There's going to be an awesome impact if we can all work together on this. Love it, Justin. Thank you so much for rolling that out. Nice umbrella.
you'll see that umbrella theme throughout. So again, up in and out, um, twice a day, say a word to God, right? Connect with God in that upward direction. Um, twice a month in our church, a month or a week? Justin, what's the, t- the church? Two times a month. Uh, go out of your way to encourage someone. Just drop them a kind letter or invite them out for coffee, whatever that looks like, right? Um, and twice a month in our community, uh, create a place of belonging. Uh, you know, a kind word to a coworker, an invitation to lunch, buying coffee for the person behind you at Starbucks, as long as you've got the Vine sticker logo in your window. It doesn't work the same if you don't. No, I'm just kidding. Do it however you want. I'm saying, look at the way, uh, you know, the words of Jesus begin to ripple throughout us, throughout our community, throughout the world. That's the invitation of Jesus today. Let's be those wise builders that put it into action. And if this is how you want to do it, we invite you to it. It's simple, it's straightforward, um, and it's a great way to be intentional about connecting with people, about creating spaces of belonging. Friends, it is time to close out today. Let's pray that God will give us wisdom and guidance in this. Father God, we thank you for this day. Uh, We thank you for this time. And we pray, Father, that having heard Jesus' words, uh, you will help us to build upon him, to build a strong foundation, Father, as uh, we begin to put into practice his beautiful, radical, incredible teaching. Father, help us to be a place uh, of belonging for people around us. Help us to demonstrate the love that you've shown us in the world around us. Father, we thank you for assurance of salvation, that you are gracious and that you um, have cared for us, that in Jesus we have hope of salvation. But Father, help us in the here and now be those people of transformation that allow Jesus' words to, conf- to, to transform us, that we become more like him. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends, we hope you have a blessed week. Go with God.